0: Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian, the Hype, Ballard, and I'm back at it again. We're going to talk about the Broken Skull Sessions here on Tapout Talk, something we haven't done in a while, episode 11 this time with Drew McIntyre, the guy that just can't seem to catch a break, and he's had to fight for every single thing that he's ever gotten in the world of professional wrestling. Join me on the journey. Let's get in. You guys know how this works. This is the podcast of the podcast. This is kind of gives you the highlights and the delights of what's going on. We start with an opening of Stone Cold welcoming McIntyre. And noting that he had not seen McIntyre in a very long time. And mentioned to Drew that the last time he saw Austin was many, many, many years ago in Los Angeles when he was pretty much new to the WWE. And then he'd gone up to Austin to say hello and introduced himself. Drew gave the impression that it was not a meeting of equals overall as they kind of first met. But the rookie did pay some homages to the top guy. So they kind of go back and forth. They got their beverages. They're talking a little bit about it. It was just a nice little subtle opening, as they always do. Next, we get into the championships. And we can talk about all six championship wins that Drew McIntyre had. Austin asked Drew how it felt about being champion and what it liked, felt like to win that championship. Drew noted that, wow, his two times winning the belt against Brock Lesnar and then against Orton were different because of the environments. It was the performance center versus the Thunderdome type atmosphere. But both were really great for him. He noted, you know, what it meant to be champion in the pandemic era. Austin asked him that in a follow-up question. Drew's response was that you'd expect that he had a long journey of highs and lows, but that he finally got the championship and what it really means a lot to him. And that's the number one title, the one that's held by Buddy Rogers, Austin himself, Bret Hart, etc. He came across that he really felt this way in the interview. And then he knew that the wrestling and the history of the business, and he actually knew all that knowledge. Austin even brought up that, uh, you know, it's a work. But it's also a shoot, and Drew did agree in that. They briefly discussed on social media the Drew Q&A, which Drew said he uses to let fans learn more about him and kind of get on the inside track a little bit. He sees him um, as more than a just tall, angry Scottish man. It was kind of a nice little exchange between the two. And then we get a clip of them showing where he um, spoke with Matthew McConaughey. We get a little bit of a clip of that in that one. From there, we get the uh, Drew makes the point to mention that he's a fan first, and he loves wrestling second. And I gotta agree with that. I feel like any time we get talent that is a fan at heart, and they were fans as kids, there's, you know, an ingrained substance inside them that makes them a fan in their heart. That to a point where they actually go and they love what they're doing, even when the job's tough. So coming out of that last clip from the last segment. Austin turns to Drew, who was the longtime wrestling fan, and he shows a picture of Drew as a kid, standing next to the almighty Yokozuna, as you guys can see here. It's pretty cool memories overall, and it's just kind of cool to think about these guys being in the same places that you and I were. So it's kind of nice and very relatable moment. Um, So Drew then um, is pictured. There's a picture of Stone Cold. And then uh, a sleeping, and it basically shows like him sleeping on a stone cold uh, sheet set, which is kind of funny. And then next up, they talk about Drew's uh, early infatuation with wrestling as a kid and how he always wanted to be a wrestler first. And he went into training camp at the age of 15 and actually started doing shows at the age of 16. And he recounted a time when Jake Roberts had come over to England while they were working a show. He pointed it at Drew and he said, that kid's going to make it. It's going to make you feel pretty good as a 16-year-old kid when you have a legend like, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts telling you that. They then discussed Drew's friendship with uh, with, uh, Sheamus and how Sheamus really helped him when he was in physically uh, training. And ultimately, it was the key to getting into the WWE to begin with. He told the story of how their first trial together in Manchester, England went really well. But John Laurinaitis wasn't there. So, he nor Sheamus got signed to the WWE. And they would have to come back six months later and try again. And at that time, Laurinaitis actually asked to speak with him. And Drew recounted how Laurinaitis said, Kid, I am thinking about signing you. And Drew said, and he responded with, I'm thinking about going to let you. So, again, Austin kind of started laughing at that moment, which I just love. Because, you know, you always get these breakout stories on this podcast about how you get into the business or how they've gotten into the business. So, it was a really great exchange between the two. And it's really cool to see these guys at a young age, as you see, kind of roaming the world and trying to live and fight their dream. So, it was really kind of cool to see that. Next, we got the early WWE years. We talk about, if you guys remember, it was Vince McMahon that actually promoted Drew McIntyre as the next biggest thing, right? The next guaranteed champion. And we actually, you know, found out years later that that would come true, but not in the same format that we thought. So next up, Drew discussed the initial time on WWE and how he was put onto a SmackDown only a week after coming to the training center and and how it was uh, really just too soon for him and he didn't know what he was getting into at that time. Then they discussed how he was quickly sent to uh, Florida Championship Wrestling for more training. And Drew said that he was really glad that it happened because he needed that little bit of seasoning on the sizzle of the steak. So, at this point, their conversation moved to when Vince McMahon introduced Drew on the SmackDown. It was 2009. and showed a clip of Vince's introduction. Austin asked Drew what he, his feelings were, and Vince introduced him. Um, and he put a lot of pressure on him, in saying that he was going to be the World Heavyweight Champion. Basically, this is when Vince made him the Chosen One. Austin then next showed a clip of Drew backstage with Vince and company. In a promo class, where he actually made Vince flinch when he pretended to throw a bottle of water at him, Austin loved it. Saying it shows some balls to the man. The fact that he uh, threw, uh, uh, pretended to throw a bottle of water at Vince and actually made him flinch—that so was a great exchange and story. They spent the next couple minutes talking about this and about how Vince is good at seeing things in people, even if it takes a while to shape up. I think about this a lot. I think about how you know Vince. Back in the day, he he had the vision of The Undertaker, right? And he found Mark Calloway, who took the character that could have easily failed in a gimmicky WWE and made it work. So, you know, it kind of takes somebody to promote it and somebody to play that part really well. And I think, you know, that's kind of the thing. He tries to find out what is going to be the right thing for this guy. They get into the Mania mismatch. So at this point in the conversation, we move forward a little into the discussion and downward up, turn of Drew's career in the WWE around WrestleMania 26 it was, uh, where it's possible that Drew would face The Undertaker of all people for the title, which actually ended up being a great match between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, as you guys know. That was actually supposed to be Drew McIntyre versus The Undertaker. Very interesting. Um, Drew noted that part of the turndown or the downturn of that was because his mother was getting sick with cancer for the first time, unfortunately. And it hit him really hard, and he started slacking and acting out and drinking, etc. And Drew noted that he had a real struggle there, and in that he didn't tell the company about his struggle. When speaking about The Undertaker, Drew said that The Undertaker was his mentor, and that he would always talk to him, guide him, like that locker room leader we know that he is. And he asks him questions, and he remembers that The Undertaker said to him, stop playing the wrestler and be the wrestler. Think of the power of those words. Stop playing the wrestler and being the wrestler. I tell people that all the time. Some people see themselves as football players or basketball players, and some people just play football and basketball that's kind of how it really is so at this point it took him a while to understand he kind of talks about that and then when you go out there you stop thinking about the next move and just be in the moment and let it come naturally you let things breathe and this was really important to him but it took him quite a long time for it to sink in and for him to really live what the undertaker was trying to guide him many years before his time Next up, we get the 3MB, the three-man band. That's the group, the mid-card group, lower mid-card group, that they decide with Heath Slater um, and to throw him into. So Austin moved on to the 3MB in this part of the segment. Drew acted up. A- Pretty embarrassed by the picture of the group, as Austin put it up on the screen. And Drew noted that when the group was formed, he had broke had a broken wrist. And that was about a week after they debuted, and he had to have surgery. And he had to be out of action for up to six months. In a very honest moment, Drew conceded, without being prompted, that the, it was a mid-card act. And it was in the right place for him. But, because at this time, he couldn't be trusted with anything higher up on the card. A really interesting and revealing moment showing that Drew knows what he almost destroyed and now seems happy that he was able to come back and rebuild and reboot his career a little bit. Next up, they talk about the uh, June 12, 2014, the day that Drew McIntyre was released. He was released from being the chosen one. He was kicked out of the WWE and Drew was surprised since the three-man band was being fully booked and after the surprise wore off he was down but he knew that he had to form a new plan to save his career and at that point he stepped outside of his bubble he really put in all his effort into it and Austin asked Drew if he needed to fall on his ass and Drew said quite frankly yes yes he did he realized that he had to have a plan he was gonna go to ICW and be one of the best on the independents. And that's when we get into the reboot and the rebuild. Austin played a clip from Drew's debut on ICW when he introduced himself as Drew Galloway. And he made an impression on the fans, and quite frankly, on Austin as well. As he watched the clip, Drew said, what made that promo so great was that it was him. The real, authentic him. Not something scripted. I wonder... If that was a hint towards, you know, maybe Vince and them kind of playing with it a little and kind of trying to make Drew something, he quite wasn't. And he was able to be the real him. And that's kind of what I ponder about a little bit. Uh, You know, we know that happens. But how often does it hurt and how often does it help? Austin even admits while watching the clip that he could tell the promo came from the heart. He came deep down from Drew's gut, and it really showed his fire and his passion. They spent the next few minutes discussing this, about how hard Drew just had to you know, work traveling and going all over the world with several different indie scenes. And then his goal was to be a main attraction. He felt that he could achieve that. He got his confidence back. He believed in himself. And his main goal was just to go out there and deliver and be the Drew, same Drew, every time and make sure it always came from the heart from that day forward. So later on then, he did get back in to NXT as you guys can remember. Um, Austin started bringing this up in which he noted that it was the only way it was going to work after his hard work on the indies. He was much more mature and he had gotten his act together finally and NXT was the perfect place for him to land back in the WWE rather than going back to Raw or SmackDown. Drew then said he was happy that he spoke to Hunter and he realized that Hunter had been watching stuff and he really wanted to be part of what Drew called Hunter's baby, right? That was NXT Black and Gold Classic. Austin next then played a clip of Drew and the NXT audience at TakeOver in Orlando in 2017 of April where Drew was announced as coming to NXT. Drew said that he was very nervous and he didn't know what to expect sitting in the audience not knowing how he would be received by the fans and was so relieved that it went well and the clip really just brought a smile to his face and it was a nice moment then they then played a clip of Drew uh, beating Bobby Roode for the NXT Championship and the conversation moved into the invention of the Claymore move the story went on to how the move started in three-man band actually and then would uh, wear really? He would wear like these really tight leather pants, and then when he went for a kick, he was worried about the pants splitting and creating, an, an basically an overall incident with the crowd. So, because he didn't have any underwear on under there, so then he realized that he had to bring up his other leg at the same time, and it, when the move was born right there. So there you go. You got it first here from Drew McIntyre himself. The Claymore was invented from the idea of Drew. McIntyre wearing leather pants. Austin then asked Drew, you know, what it was like to get the call up from Raw in 2018 when there was a meeting. And the answer was, you know, know, was there a meeting at all? And he said, no, there was not. He just did his thing in the ring and he went. After his first appearance with Dolph and went back to Gorilla and Vince gave him a really big hug and he said, welcome back. Vince never lost faith in Drew. I think Vince just needed to let Drew go away, find himself, and hoping that he returned. You know, if you love something, you let it go. And if it comes back, it's truly yours. And I think that's what happened with Drew McIntyre. I respect how McIntyre, I talk about it all the time, how he was able to rebuild himself. Not with the WWE machine by him. He actually had to go and leave and earn it on the indies and that's why i find myself drawn to drew mcintyre and i enjoy his work i enjoy being in the fandom of that because i know he earns it i know he's appreciated it but that wasn't the last huddle for drew the last another huddle was his main event mcintyre time he won the 2020 men's royal rumble conversation moved this direction. They played a clip from the Royal Rumble when Drew dumped Brock through Roman out of the ring and then Drew said that he was really motivated to fight Lesnar and he knew he had to keep not only his wrestling skills up but be to be credible against Brock but also his verbal skills to stand up to none other than the greatest speaker in the modern era Paul Heyman. Austin pointed out that Drew was all set and now to fight Brock at a sold-out Raymond James Stadium, but then COVID hit. That's right. We got the year of 2020, and COVID ran wilder than Hawkamania at WrestleMania. And Austin asked Drew what it felt like to do that in front of a WrestleMania crowd. And then the fact that there was no WrestleMania crowd, and it was going to be in the Performance Center, very small venue, empty crowd. They went from a sell-out crowd in a football stadium to a very empty, small performance center arena. But the time WrestleMania happened, it was clear how bad things were, with no other sports happening, for WrestleMania to continue with something super important for the industry. You're giving the world something to help them be happy in a time where people were very uncertain about what the outcome of the world would be. Drew said it was very strange, but once his music hit, he went out and Brock came out, and both of them were in a moment While they discussed the match, it played on the screen. Drew said how it was crazy how it could have been if there were fans there or not. Drew said that while it was not screaming fans, he said everyone will remember WrestleMania when the world stood still. And that he will get his moment. And he knows that he'll get his moment someday again in the future. It was quite the moment. You can see Drew watching the screen. um, See it in his eyes. and It was a real moment. It was pretty cool. You know, I remember that mania, and I remember, um, I'll be honest with you guys, I thought WrestleMania 20 was the worst WrestleMania in sports entertainment history. And not because of the performers, not because of the talent. There's just when you don't have a crowd, and they didn't even have the Thunderdome at this time. They just had a blank arena, and it was very awkward and very odd, but, you know, the show must go on, and that's what they did. And um, so I got a kudos to Drew for, you know, Putting it in and making the best of a bad situation. Nothing's ever easy for him. And he always has to fight for it. Because that's what a McIntyre is. Drew said that even though there was no crowd. In his head he was going to go through the whole montage of his career. Thinking about the people who helped him along the way. And sacrifice things to help him. And again a very just sincere moment in this interview. Got a lot of credit and Drew's got a lot of heart. Next we get to talk the tale of the tape. Both at 6'5". Over 250 pounds each. We've got Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. So the interview moved over to the Orton feud. Drew always wanted to feud with Randy and he felt that the feud really cemented him. Randy was the Joker to Drew's Batman. In a great way, it was a great way just to put it, right? As far as like his best rivalry that he's had. They went through this feud and Drew really credited Randy with being a great help to him and really made the feud just pop overall. And in an interesting moment, Drew noted that during the COVID area, he was really one to break the fourth wall and talk to the camera while others were still playing to the imaginary people that just weren't there. He said it's a different time and different things needed to be tried to bring entertainment to the people watching and not just into the crowd. And I thought this was just really cool. And he acknowledged that he was doing things that everybody you know, said was great and that he really did this on his own, right? He didn't, wasn't told to do this. He went against his normal training to reinvent himself for a different time of need. So, again, another kudos to Drew on this one. So, um, spontaneity of that did work. And you know what? It worked out pretty decently. We then get into a segment about promos. Austin began talking about promos and how they're important. Um, And they are, and how Drew is really good at doing a promo. And that makes his statement, but also builds up the opponent. At the end of the section, Austin came right out and says that he feels right now, Drew is the best promo man in the WWE. Drew seems a bit embarrassed by the praise, but was very humbled, and he thanked Austin for saying that. Another really solid moment again in the interview. Austin asked Drew, Rather, he felt better holding the title or not. And Drew said, while wow, it's usually better to, uh, for a babyface to be chasing the title. He feels that being uh, it's better holding the title, and the show is better with him as champion rather than him chasing." Austin agreed very to a very strong point. And then we get Drew versus Roman. Tale of the tape. Six foot three, six foot five, two sixty-five pounds each. The spear versus the claymore. So we get a discussion of that in Survivor Series. They didn't talk into the specifics about the match on this one, but it was champion versus champion. Drew totally put Roman over, saying he was very helpful backstage to him. And they both work to make the other better. He noted that he was really excited about continuing to work with Roman and that he is um, as much of an alpha as Roman is and that they are both at the top of their game. While Drew didn't say anything, you know, specific, conversation definitely gave hints that he and Roman are going to come face to face maybe again in the future who knows not uh not anytime soon but soon enough if I had to predict you know I could see another bout between these two again because I do think they had a good chemistry between each other and then we get the boneyard in the final one of the final segments here Austin made a point to compliment Drew on how he works as a big strong baby face. Drew remembers there was a time where it was very important to sell and show some weakness. Austin asked him who his biggest influences were. And while he didn't name anybody specifically, he said that it takes um, what he takes in what people say and he applies it to his own methods. I've always liked doing it in my career as well. I feel like it's the sampler platter. You take a little bit of advice here, you take a little bit there, but you gotta make it into something your own that you're gonna enjoy and you're gonna eat up. So, But you can take bits from others. I would like um, to hear him say who his biggest influence was on this one because I was kind of curious. But, you know, I think there's just a lot of people along the way to help some. And Drew recognizes that. One fun fact that came out of this interview was that Drew's sword that he carries to the ring um, was actually a gift from Hunter and Stephanie. So it's actually Vince. It's actually Vince's gift or Vince's sword that was a gifted from Hunter and Stephanie. So that's kind of Funny that Drew is carrying around the McMahon family heirloom. Basically, then he's asked, uh, Drew's asked, uh, Drew's biggest hope for the future is fans. He said he wanted fans back and that he wants to be back on the road with people present, and we're now back there at this day and age. Um, His biggest goal for the future, though, is to have one of the big four pay-per-views in the United Kingdom. And he's going to keep pushing and pushing hard. And I think that is a reality to have a WrestleMania in the UK. There was a very good push for that recently. And finally, overall, you know, it's a really good interview. My final thoughts. Drew came across real, genuine, likable. Austin was able to dig out some fun and interesting facts and stories from Drew. And Drew, you know, I also appreciate that neither man avoided um, negatives in Drew's career. I like that they talked about that because it helps build the character and makes us as fans have a connection. But it did um, concentrate on the positive, especially his current run at the top of the card best moment was when Drew discussed his inner thoughts and feelings about his Wrestlemania win over Brock Lesnar earlier in the year so overall really good show it was about an hour and 40 minutes and it's a very watchable interview if you don't have that much time in a single sitting it's an easy interview to watch part of and then just come back to that's kind of my analysis you can watch this in a few different parts but I'd say definitely watch if you're a Drew McIntyre fan or simply just a fan of wrestling and that's my overall results and thoughts And I just want to say thank you guys for everything you do for me. Thanks for watching. Like, share, subscribe. Check us out over at thefansofprowrestling.com. And it's not goodbye. It's game over.